Steve, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. So I'm really excited to interview interview you. Um, you're someone that uh, is kind of like the visionary of South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition. But would you be able to give me maybe like a small rundown of what you do for a living and what you do for South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition? So I come from a corporate background where I was a sales manager, district manager, and then regional manager. Um, I also uh, invest in properties and uh, pretty much was doing that until I started getting bored. And so <laughs> that led me to looking for other things to do from a charitable standpoint, you know, in the community. So how does that transfer into uh, what you do for South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition? Like what, what are you, I guess, what's your position in South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition? So I originally, I'm the founder of the organization and we started out as friends of Los Gatos Creek. Mm -hmm. And the idea was to, you know, come into that watershed uh, after discovering that we had uh, king salmon or Chinook salmon coming into the, this waterway. I'm a fisherman. And I was really kind of shocked to know that we have a, a, a run of salmon, late fall run that comes up into the Guadalupe watershed each year. And I just wanted to really kind of explore, you know, population levels, which we discovered were in decline. And then what could we do to maybe change it and improve the habitat, protect the fish, and then see if we could increase numbers. And that's really been the goal for the last uh, nine years. Today is our nine year anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a pretty big feat to get to nine years. Let's try to get to 10, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, when, when we started this, we really did understand that whatever we're going to be doing, it's going to take years to sort of change the current situation. And uh, so we kind of look at it like a marathon and we're about five or six miles into this thing. And, you know, with a, a long range focus to continue to improve the watersheds, uh, through uh, vegetation management projects. We've got a project that's coming online that we'll be doing gravel augmentation and woody debris in the Campbell area. And then we also have spinoff activities like obviously the cleanups, but you know, bringing kids out to the, uh, the creeks so that they can learn about you know, what's happening in these local watersheds. Well, I mean, how'd you even um, decide to go in this direction, right? Because some people, they'll just like advocate in general, well, they'll attend meetings and stuff like that. But how did you start forming? I mean, we're now doing cleanups, right? And we do bio blitzes and we do different types of classes. So how did you even get to that point from that beginning start or like that start? Well, you know, it's interesting. There really was no playbook on what direction we were going to go. It really came down to what are the priorities. And so when we were looking at the waterways and seeing that they were trash laden in the water along the repairing corridors. Really the immediate need was to get in and see if we could get this trash out. So, you know, we uh, contacted Valley Water and they have an Adopt-A-Creek program. And, uh, you know, when we approached them, it was kind of, uh, let's try something different. You know, you indicate that you have some partners that are working along the waterways. Mm -hmm. We have a, a coastal cleanup day coming in about a month, how many people of these groups are going to be active along anywhere along the Guadalupe or Los Gatos Creek? And we discovered along Los Gatos Creek that there was going to be one cleanup. And so Valley Water 
saw that you know this might be something that would be advantageous to them as well as to the community. And so we uh, adopted Los Gatos Creek from Lexington Reservoir all the way down to the confluence. And then over the last you know uh, nine years, we've been doing hundreds of cleanups and really working to get all of that trash out of the waterway. Um, there was a thing called legacy trash, which is kind of interesting. It's trash that has been in the watershed for 50, 60 years. And so we were finding all sorts of those type of items. Uh, it seems like the creek was sort of a, a means for getting rid of a lot of trash. And so it's really been sort of a, an uphill battle to, you know, rein in the trash and, you know, get these waterways healed to a point where salmon could come in, find suitable habitat and spawn. And then that cycle would continue going forward. That's amazing. And that's also really gross that there's a, such a thing as legacy trash. You said 50, 60 years. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it's, uh, we, as an example, uh, one of the art pieces that uh, I did was a eight and a half foot uh, shoe <laughs> and we adorned it with all the balls that we find along the waterways. And so that could be golf balls, tennis balls, ping pong balls, we had a tether ball, which, you know, obviously that's kind of an odd one to find down in the waterway. <laughs> but um, we actually, when I was, uh, I'm, you know, in my 60s now, and one of the uh, gas station groups, uh, Union 76, at the time when I was younger, they were doing a, uh, a, a marketing campaign where they would give styrofoam balls that mimicked the Union 76 balls that were on uh, their placards out in front of the gas stations. Mm -hmm. And so... Those uh, you would find on most on a lot of the vehicles at the time was very popular. We actually have found two of those, and those were in the watershed. So you figure that they've been in the watershed for 40, 50, almost 50 years, which is really kind of, you know, uh, shocking. And then well, we just did the Styro Squatch movie. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's touching on the same subject, right? Like, yeah. uh, that's... That's kind of insane. What do we even do with all this stuff? You know, we can't even collect it, right? Because it turns into little small beads, right? Yeah. You um, know, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I've got a cabin up in the Sierras. And one of the things that we see up there is you see the uh, impact of the mining that uh, went uh, through all these uh, Sierra mountains. So in the 1850s. And so, you know, the harm that was done, whether it was the mercury or the, the stripping of all the topsoil, you know, looking for the gold. And you look at that period and you say, what were they thinking? You know, because now we have the legacy situation with mercury in a lot of these rivers. Oh, you're right. Um, that, that's I, like Almaden Lake, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, with the Quicksilver, it was, I think, the second largest uh, uh, source in the world during that period of time. So wow. we, we have that problem here, you know, along the, uh, the Guadalupe watershed that, you know, when they do uh, work projects and there's uh, gravel that's removed or stored, it has to be taken to a, a hazardous waste site to, uh, to get rid of. So, wow. but, but my point is that, you know, that in that period, that was the, you know, crazy thing that was going on. And I think in the next, you know, decade or, or so, when we look back on the impact of plastic and the harm that it's doing, you know, that generation is going to be saying, what were they thinking with, you know, all of these, uh, this packaging that will last for hundreds of years in our environment. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of looking, you know, what is it? Hindsight's 2020, right? Or it's, what were we doing? I mean, there's people that still fish in Almaden Lake that, I mean, that can't be the safest <laughs> considering that there's been mining and that's still like an issue. Uh, 
did you always fish was was that kind of your connection to the creeks at all you know that was the connection up here you know i uh, was going to alaska on a pretty regular basis to go fishing for king salmon or uh, the chinook salmon Mm -hmm. and it really shocked me that to discover that we had them here in the, the uh you know in the south bay and so that really kind of was the connection. I mean, in, when I was working in corporate America, you know, I would drive by the airport area along the Guadalupe and you would see after the storms, a lot of debris, trash that was trapped up in the bushes and trees. And I really didn't connect why that was happening. And, you know, you're busy with your, you know, your day to day and work. And so, uh, you know, kind of fast forward almost 20 years later, I started going into these areas and uh, once we, uh, I discovered that we had the salmon just to see what's really happening along our waterways. And it was, it was just shocking to me, the volume of trash that we had, you know, in the, in these areas and the destruction to, you know, the repairing corridors, you know, with uh, the cutting down of trees, the terraces that are being created uh, and all that sediment then thrown into the waterway and that impact. And then the poaching that was happening of the fish. I mean, it was really, you know, just a, a, a shocking thing. Okay. So, um, you were saying earlier how, um, you know, you, you've always, you've kind of had the, this, um, kind of like an ideology, I guess you could say, uh, imprinted as you're growing up about how to take care of your, the area around you, um, especially around nature and stuff. Uh, can you speak a little bit about yeah, just growing up and kind of what that is? Well, I think everybody has their own DNA on life lessons, but one of the things that really kind of uh, I was imprinted for me was that uh, we would take a every year in the summer we would do a one week uh, water ski trip up to one of the lakes in the Sierras, and uh, this was camping as well. So we'd have our tents and all of our gear and we would then have a boat and go out uh, skiing. But prior to uh, doing anything, when we arrived at the campsite, my parents would have us all go out and pick up every piece of trash in that campsite. So cigarette butts, back then the soda cans had a tab that would pull off and those were discarded. And then just the array of all the other trash. And that really kind of became something that was ingrained in my head. And so when I started uh, doing the work that we've been doing along the waterways, you know, it kind of was in the same vein. However, it was at such a higher level of trash and pollution that, you know, I've had to sort of like calm myself down and realize that this is going to take, you know, literally years to get through all of the trash that we see along our waterways. And really until we come up with a solution for the unhoused, there's going to be a lot of repeat back into these same areas. And that's really been, you know, a challenge because I think when people come out for our cleanups, uh, you know, they're passionate, they're excited, and there's a certain percentage of them that come to the next one. And oftentimes it's in the same spot where the previous one was, and they see an increase back to the trash levels that they saw on their first cleanup. And so uh, we find oftentimes that people really, they just ghost. They decide, you know, this is something that cannot be uh, solved and I'm really kind of wasting my time. And so there's degrees of that with, uh, you know, the people that come out for our cleanups. Some, you know, sort of dug their heels in and they're just regulars and they come to all these events 
And ultimately, you know, the way that I look at this thing is, is that, you know, for every 10 pounds of trash that we pull out, there's probably going to be three or four pounds that might re-enter the environment, but we're having a net gain on the volume of trash that we're seeing along our waterways. And it, we will at some point in the future, come to a point like other cities like Sacramento and uh, Oakland, where they're saying, look, everyone should be housed and the streams should be protected uh, so that we don't have dead waterways. And that's where we fit in. And we're trying to you know, help with, with this, you know, this daunting challenge. Were you, were you surprised to see... Um people who kind of were like-minded in the way that we should, you know, take care of the creeks and kind of the call to, to try to take the trash out basically. Um, I, I know it's always been a pain trying to get students and stuff into it, well, into doing this type of work, but um, yeah, was there an expectation that people would come out when you first, you know, put out your table on the, on the trail and like, you know, you put your signs up. Did you expect anyone to have an interest? You know, I didn't really know what to expect, but, you know, I, I think that a couple of my skills that I had learned in corporate America, you know, uh, we basically had to build a sales team. Mm -hmm. We had quotas that we had to hit and, you know, we had to motivate those people to, you know, to exceed, uh, you know, uh, sales goals. And so uh, there's a lot of that kind of going on with this, you know, we meet people, some that are, you know, neighbors that live along the creeks, and they've been completely frustrated with the trash and noise and problems that they're seeing along the waterway in their corridor. Um, you know, last weekend, I was at a, uh, a meeting with 4-H club, and it was I was invited by a young lady that now is in high school, but she actually was at one of our cleanups six years ago at uh, Mulberry school. And now she is reaching out, uh, you know, to us, uh, in her, her current role, uh, with the 4-H club. And so I think one of the things that we do see is, is that this does make an impact on people. And then you just don't know when your paths are going to cross in the future, as we are seeing with, you know, uh, a lot of these people that, you know, come out on a regular basis and are passionate about, achieving you know clean healthy creeks that's really good to hear um so it's nice to see that there's some results and and it, it really is a shame that sometimes this work can get a little um it can feel like the, there isn't an end to it right yeah but, um i think every little bit helps you know it's better than just leaving the trash there by any chance uh, do you see this do you see a direction for um where South Bay Clean Creeks might go um, in terms of like either mentorship or trying to, to uh, nurture, I guess, a culture of like a younger generation that might want to get into this. Well, you know, um, uh, we're, we're doing this podcast and this was your idea. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think that some of the tools and, you know, means for getting the word out I, we would uh, probably not have tried. And so I think that's where the seasoning of some of the, the young people that we're bringing on board are going to help us to, you know, uh, make contact with uh, a different audience. And so I'm excited, you know, for us to be sharing this information. When we first started, you know, all of the things that we were discovering, you know, along the waterway, I mean, when we first started uh, and we approached one of the groups, 
uh, volunteer organizing groups uh, with the, uh, one of the, uh, the bureaucracies here in the, in, the, in the South Bay. They basically told us that uh, they had a problem with our group because uh, of our name. We had to, they wanted us to change our name so, I mean, when you look at the challenges that we faced, people were saying, Steve, you really should be writing a blog, you know, so that you can share all of the things that just would make one crazy. But, you know, it then becomes, you know, there's a bandwidth issue. So this yeah. is kind of a fun, you know, exercise because it really it's just a quick snapshot in time. And we can just sort of share some of the, you know, ideas and challenges and views that we are, you know, that we've gained over time. It's, yeah, it's important to get the word out. And sometimes the traditional methods, you know, they have some limitations sometimes, right? Especially with the younger generation and how things evolve. Um, I, we do a lot of art, art inspired, art centered projects too. Like you mentioned the giant, um, the giant shoe. Uh, was art ever really in your background? Did you ever, were you ever really creative or, or anything like that? Well, it's, it's, Kind of funny, when I was uh, in corporate America, they did a, a personality profile on, on me and <laughs> they came back and they said that uh, not only was I suited for the job I was in in corporate America, but this is also the same traits that you would find in an artist. And at the time I'm like, that that is so not me. And then yet what I found in this, uh, you know, new, uh, you know, life place that I find, uh, I've had an opportunity to sort of share the story of the pollution through the recycled trash that we have used for art. And that's included. We did an Eiffel Tower for Earth Day uh, <laughs> with uh, San Jose State University. And that uh, was with spray cans and that we were pulling out of the creeks. And it was 23 feet tall. Um, we also did a, uh, a beaver that was adorned with cigarette butts and it was superimposed onto just a metal mattress with all the springs, all the cloth had sort of uh, been eaten away or just worn away. And then we put, you know, pieces of glass, river glass, and sort of tried to create sort of a, a waterscape. Um, and the, uh, the the tail of the beaver was a tire. So yes, there's been a lot of, of those fun sort of ad adaptations. And it's interesting because there's a lot of different ways that you can approach the community and uh, garner their attention and draw people in. And we found that art has been a good uh, a medium for that. That's definitely true. A lot of these things are pretty fun. Um, so winding down the interview, um, do you have any like last words, tips or advice to anyone listening that's interested in answering their call to the river? Yeah, you know, I, I, the, we need uh, the community to really step up and be part of this. It's not something that, you know, a small group is going to, to be able to affect, you know, long-term change. So I would encourage people if they are looking for a means for, you know, volunteering, we have our uh, team 222 cleanups, which is a cleanup every other month on the second Saturday. And we'll be back in May and then again in July. And this just repeats through the uh, calendar year. So it's it, basically two hours of coming out and helping us with a cleanup. I would encourage people to, to come and do that. And then uh, you might find that uh, you have an appetite to do more. I mean, you can become a team leader with our group. Uh, and that those people support uh, 
the groups that come out for cleanups uh, as, as far as leading uh, or other ways. I, you know, I really leave that up to the individuals as to how they'd like to help and support what we're doing. Thank you. Hopefully we get a lot more people because we de- it's good seeing new faces and returning faces too, but we definitely need more people to join our, our cause. But thank you for the interview. This was really fun. It's been fun. Thank you. is for entertainment purposes only and should not be interpreted or referenced as an endorsement, approval, or statement by South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition. The views and opinions expressed in the Call of the River podcast are those of the guests and hosts. They are not a representation or reflection of the official policy or position of South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition. South Bay Clean Creeks Coalition does not take responsibility for any ideas or opinions expressed during the podcast.